and biblical study. And back with me today is Pastor Alex Hill. Yeah, we guys, we missed Pastor Alex on the last class, but we're getting back here today. So good to be here uh, on another day that the Lord has made. Yes. We're going to be glad and rejoice in it. Um, opportunity to come into God's Word and have a great time. Amen. Just checking in with us for the first time. If you're listening to this live or if you are uh, listening to this by MP3, uh, iPod, podcast, whatever it may be, uh, you have uh, come to the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies where we are doing an uh, online live Bible study through the book of Romans. It's really an expository teaching. If you're just coming in, you're in good shape. Even though we've had 25, 26 lessons, we're only on chapter 3, verse 24, 25. So you've come at a great time, and if you have not had the opportunity to hear or uh, be a part of the previous lessons, you can actually go onto our website at www.raveninstitute.blogspot.com. On that site, you can actually get all the first two chapters. As chapters come available, we'll put them in their entirety on that blog. If you want the daily ones available, you can go to www.ravenoutreach.blogspot.com and Brother Steve Ignowski of Lifeline Ministries is recording those and making those available for us there for download onto your computer. You can burn them onto a disk. If you want a hard copy yourself and don't have a way to do that, you can email me at Pastor Troy. Uh, my name is Pastor Troy, obviously, at raven at biggrace.com, and I'd be glad to send you out one of those free of charge uh, for your listening pleasure or whatever you'd like to do. No copyright on that stuff, so use it as you want. Freely we have received, freely we give. But uh, good opportunity to come in to get, yeah, get into God's Word and allow the Word of God to change and to challenge and to transform us on a daily basis. Pastors, we get started this morning. I want you to just open us in prayer, and we'll just take right off today. Yes, hallelujah. Father, we just determine that you are the Lord God. And Father, we realize that even before time and world began, that you were on the throne, God, and that you exist. You're the self-existing one, that you are holy and pure and righteous and powerful, God, and that every knee will bow one day and every tongue confess that you are Lord. And God, in this world right now, there are many antichrist spirits, God, many who say that you are not the true Lord. But God, today, we take time to say that you are God, that you are the Lord, Jesus, that you are the King of our lives, and we submit our lives to you. So, God, as we submit, I pray that you would open our eyes. Give us a passion for the Word, God. Give us a passion to know you, God. Father, don't, don't allow these teachings to be, be one of those things that we say it's enough, God. But let it give us an appetite, Lord God. Let us be like the ones who taste and see that the Lord is good, that it causes us to go deeper and, 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 and mourn in the Word of God, that we just got to get more of you, God. We pray that fear would come upon us, God, and the fear that would cause us to be uh, feel a, a moral dread if we displease you, God, that we would, would know you. So, God, open our minds today. Open our hearts, God. Reveal your word to us so that we may take this world to the lost and dying world and show them the power of who you are, God. And I know if we do this, that signs and miracles will follow those that believe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You know, brother, we've been teaching this word, like I said, for several weeks now. And and it's really kind of a very intense time. but, But the reason and purpose on this is really twofold. It's number one, so we can get it inside of us. Amen. And because if, if we come to the to the Word and the Word doesn't change us, there's a, there's a problem somewhere along the line. So we, we've got to come to the point where we're, we're in the Word for the purpose of seeing our lives changed and transformed. You know, we say that, we, we use that phrase a lot, get into the Word, the Word will get into you. Right. And the Word has got to move beyond some type of intellectual experience or some type of moral or, or even religious type of thing or discovery. And, you know, we meet a lot of people around that... Can quote scripture, 
yeah. that they can say a lot of things, but the word is not a part of them. It's not a living word inside of their life. And so as we come, we, we give it for twofold. We give it to, to allow the word to go in and change and transform you. He sent his word to heal us. Right. To heal us of the, the effects of sickness and disease and destruction. But also to go and do the things that are taught in the Word. And I want to challenge every one of you that, that, that set in on these teachings or maybe someone has handed these things to you, that uh, you that, that set under the Word, and not just through our studies here with the Raven Institute, right. but as you study the Word yourself, is like James said, don't just be a hearer of the Word, but right. you have got to be a doer because otherwise you're deceived. Hearing without doing is deception. Deception, period. And so we've got to get the scales of deception removed from our eyes and go and be doers of those things. And, and really what the, he said, he sent his word to bring healing. And, but Jesus came for one reason, to seek and to save that which was lost. Right. And so if we just get into the word uh, just for the purpose of thinking that we're going to learn something or that we'll be able to uh, show some type of biblical prowess if we're discussing something with someone, that's not enough. He gives us the word to really motivate us and compel us to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. Right. So it's almost like the two laws, right? To know the Lord God. Yeah. And then to love your neighbors and stuff. Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. That's is the first how you word. learn those things yeah. is to get that word. Right. And so we've really got to allow those things. Otherwise, really, it's, you know, it, it's kind of heartbreaking to think that, you know, um, in, a, in a nation such as ours, we have people that listen from other nations too, and, and I'm, I'm sure they're, they're rapidly becoming much like ours because of the the exportation of, of religion that, that this nation does. But in this nation, there's countless hours of biblical teaching, some of it very good, some of it horrendously bad. Uh, there's churches everywhere, uh, many of them very good, many of them horrendously bad. Right. Uh, you can go to bookstores book and buy books, many of them tremendously good, yeah. many of the books tremendously bad. But nonetheless, there is an opportunity through uh, teaching on whether it's Christian television, Christian radio, or local churches, or whatever else. There's many. There's so many opportunities to get into the Word of God. Right. And so there's no shortage of the Word. You know, there may be a shortage of very good teaching, but nonetheless, the Word itself coming forth ought to prompt the individual. And I want to really, right. I want to really stress that the individual to get into the Word themselves, because right. it's really a, a personal thing. We're never going to be able to stand before God and say, "Well, such and such said this, or such and such right. said that." If if you will open your heart to the voice of the Holy Spirit, He said that He would lead and guide you into all truth. Right. Now, now, brother, what we are is as teachers of the Word. Literally, what we are is people that are kind of spiritual traffic cops. We want to point people into the Word. And, and guys, don't ever let, uh, you know, if you set in on the studies of Raven Institute, this is not the end-all, wear-all. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is just the, the, the point that we're here to point you towards the Word of God. Right. We're here to give you kind of a skeletal outline of what God has invested in us. Right. And so through your own experience, through your own, your own searching out the Scriptures, your, your, your own discovery of those things, is to allow God to bring a greater and clearer revelation to you. Because we, we don't have everything. No. But what we want to do is we want to deposit in you those things that God has given to us, that He might take those things and, and combine them with what He's entrusted into your life as well. So you've really got to, to, to maintain that, not just right. hearing, but a doing of that word to, to escape that, that, that bondage of, right. of, of deception. I say that because, you know, we, we were out in the streets and, and, guys, most of the people involved with Raven Ministries are, are affiliated with us in some sense. Really, uh, they are doers. You know, I, th I think of some of the, the folks that are with us today with uh, our different teams that are around. We have representatives from Raven West Coast, which is in Northern California, and Raven Midwest, 
uh, Pastor Terry, Raven East Coast that are here, uh, Brother Steve Ignowski, who's a, a good friend of mine who works through Lifeline Ministries, goes into prisons on the streets and whatnot. The people that are that are here live with us today are people that have taken the word and go do it. Right. But as by virtue of, of them being in on this teaching in a live format, it, it shows you our attitude is that, that we we come back to the table of the Word of God. We come we come back to eat. That way we can go out and feed someone else. Right. And so by no means do we think that in relationship to the Word that we've arrived mm-hmm. and or that we've seen, just because we've seen thousands of people come to Jesus over the years, and we have. We've seen thousands and perhaps tens of thousands of people through our ministry come to the Lord Jesus Christ. But though, by no means does that, uh, does that meet some type of spiritual quota that says that we do not have to do it any longer. We preach in churches. We preach on the streets. We teach in churches. We teach on the streets. Right. We see people delivered in churches. We see them delivered on the streets. We counsel people. We do all these type of in things. In the synagogues and in the streets. In the synagogues and the streets, <laughs> from house to house, breaking bread, bread and having them. fellowship and having yeah. all things common. And yeah. so, But all those things that we do apart from that is to equip us to go out and tell someone else. Right. This past week we were out here in Daytona Beach. We're, we're in the middle of, a, of an outreach time here during the 4th of July. A lot of big things come into this, this city during... Uh, uh, during the 4th of July, there's a major NASCAR race coming up here in the next few days with the, I think it's the, the Pepsi Firecracker 400, which a quarter of a million people will come into the racetrack and we're going to be witnessing to those folks that are coming into the city. But as we went out, you can see how the Word of God does its work and it's right. effective. And uh, there's a man that was introduced by, I think, uh, the folks from, uh, yeah, uh, John Janay from Ravens uh, Space Coast uh, that worked with us right here in the Daytona Beach area. Uh, there was a young man by the name of Joshua right. that they met who had, who had heard the truth and he had, had just slipped away from God. He was out there by the, by the nightclub that we were standing out and the Spirit of God hit him. They brought him over where we were uh, ministering by, by that pizza place. And uh, man, he just wanted, he wanted prayer. And what was interesting is when we, we all literally dropped down on our knees right there in the middle of that place and he said, he said, please, somebody lay hands on me. I mean, right. this guy was wanting it. Right. But, but it wasn't because we were offering him a slice of pizza. We didn't have any pizza to offer him. Mm-hmm. It's because we were offering him a slice of the Word of God. Amen. And he brought conviction upon his life. And it's not like the, the Mike Mayer, the young man. I say young man, younger than us. But he came and he had, he had come all the way from Louisiana to, to Daytona Beach. And he was looking for a bar that he went to years ago. And he couldn't find it. It closed up. And he came back to us, and he was going through a divorce, and walked off and left right. his wife. And actually, he was on the telephone with, with her, with her, yeah. and he walked off and left his wife and two children. And uh, she was talking to him about where he was at, and he said, "Hold on, somebody's here that could tell you it's not as bad as what you think." Hand the phone to me, and so I started talking to his wife on yeah. the telephone, a guy we were witnessing to. Spoke to her for about fifteen minutes while Pastor Alex and Pastor Thomas were talking to him. And she told me all the things that he was doing. He was abusive and all these things. He was, his children were afraid of him. And so I just clicked the phone off, handed it back to him and said, Brother, you know what? You're a bootlegger. Yeah, bootlegger. And just, we, we spoke the word to him and told him, you know, you claim to know God and you and claim to love your family. And right there in front of that, 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 that nightclub, he dropped down on his knees and, and asked God to forgive him. He repented from his sins, asked Christ to come into his life. Then he got on the phone and repented to his wife and asked Amen. for their forgiveness as well. What produces that? Yeah, the, the Word, word of God. God. The Word of God being spoken and produces a fear. Yeah, and it does. It creates the fear of the Lord yeah. in people's lives. And we, and we saw in our teaching that, you know, where he brought that indictment, he said there's no fear of God in their eyes. Right. Because there's not the preaching of the gospel in right. their ears. And so when we get into those environments and we begin to preach the Word, 
The Word brings that conviction of sin and it brings that awesomeness of His presence that creates, once again, that, that atmosphere for the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Right. And you get the knowledge of who He is, the knowledge of what He did, the knowledge of His power, the, the knowledge of the transformation through the blood of Jesus. Right. But the only way that comes, folks, is through getting into the Word, allowing the Word of God to get into you, not to sit there sedentary, not to sit there and do nothing, but to come into your life and to, to, to be an empowerment that you might be able to, to speak those things into other people's lives. I, I can't overemphasize this. Right. These teachings are not just to emphasize entertain you for an hour each day. Mm. These are to empower you and to give you some tools that you'll be able to go out and speak and see lives change for eternity. Guys, the job that we have, the responsibility that we have is is eternal consequences for people. You know, I I hate to put this, me and a sister in the Lord that's here staying with us from Texas, she hears with Melanie and I, we were talking about just what we're all facing in in this day and age. And we know that there's a, a, a wide gate Right. that many are going to enter into according right. to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7. But there's a narrow gate that leads to life and few there be that find it. And the only way into that narrow gate, brother, is through an adherence to the, to the principles that we learn through the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And without that Word of God, right. not only will you have a difficult time finding the narrow way, but you will never have the, the, the courage and the faith to enter that narrow way. Right. And so it, it takes that because by, that's, that's the source of faith. Faith is something is it's not this broad no, no, no. illusion no, that people hear to the word. But but faith is this 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 solitary thing mm-hmm. that is called the word of God. Faith yeah. comes by hearing and hearing by the not word just of hearing God. anything. No, by hearing not, the word. Not just hearing funny antidotes. And you know what the church has reduced itself to, guys? <laughs> jokes from the pulpit. Jo- let's tell let's tell a joke. Yeah. Jokes do not produce faith. Mm-hmm. Let's have a little skit. Skits do not produce faith. No. Let's have a, a, a kind of little, a little humorous antidotes or, or these little neat little... Those things do not produce faith. Mm-hmm. All those things are, are done just to, to kind of uh, pique the imagination or to, to touch the senses of men. Guys, listen. There's, there's nothing that, that apart from the Word of God that produces faith in a person's life. And that we're saved by grace through faith. faith. What didn't you say the number one uh, problems that Christians have or that we face... There's other Christians believing in false teaching. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and teaching false teaching. It's not the atheist. It's not the. Uh, it's not the uh, agnostics. It's not the. The uh, some of these other things that you know for sure, like the Jehovah's Witnesses. It's the. It's the other so-called Christians who, who are supposed to be on the same field as us, teaching a false teaching. That's the really stop you. Look, this can take for example. The other night we were out. We had a team of six or eight people out on the streets, right there in in, in the main party spot, right here in Daytona Beach, Seabreeze Avenue. Uh, clubs and everything, and you see that by the time we got, by the time we were finished, what about three o'clock in the morning? Yeah. Police cars were lining the streets. They had the paddy wagon out there picking people up. I mean, it was just, a, it was just a glow with with blue flickering lights and all those type of things. Personally, brother, I never ran into a single Mormon. No. A person that was in, involved in Jehovah Witnesses. Uh-huh. I never came across a person that was an atheist. Never that. The people that we dealt with were people that that were in the clubs, in line, were partying, were in sexual immorality. All of those folks claimed to know God and to be Christians. Every single one of them claimed to be that. And when you begin to confront them on that, some of them would even say, well, you know what, I'm, I'm going to church tomorrow. Right. Yeah. And thought that they could serve two masters. Mm hmm. 
Whereas the word tells us that we'll love one, hate the other, and hate the other, and love the one. They, they, they had been taught that. And so they felt, see, and I can't even fathom this in my own heart. Mm-hmm. To think that I could live that type of life, to be in that type of immorality, to have the audacity to believe that, that, that God is going to receive the sacrifice of my praise and those things. We, we've talked about that, that He does not hear the prayer of the sinner. Right. That, that, that heaven is shut off for that type of thing. That we've got to come with a heart of repentance towards Him. Right. Or it's like praying to a brass heaven. It says that He's angry with a sinner all day long. All day long. That's in the book of Psalms. And so we've got to come to that place that we believe the Word of God for what it says. And really the thing that we combat is that false and erroneous teaching that right. promotes and itself as Christianity that's why, that's why but is a here. doctrine of devils. And so folks, that's why we're here this morning yeah. is to get you back into the Word of God and, and to bring you to that place that you're going to hear the Word of God and you're going to preach it unashamedly. Mm-hmm. You're not going to preach it thinking, you know what, what if I'm going to offend anybody? The biggest offense to God is that people die and go to hell. Absolutely. The biggest offense of God is to proclaim His name but to walk in witness, uh, uh, wickedness mm-hmm. and not to be a witness for the cause of Christ Jesus. So folks, listen. If you're listening to this, if you're live today with us, if you're hearing it uh, uh, via some type of recorded device, Folks, listen, if you get this if you sit under this teaching and you don't go preach the gospel, this teaching will not be a blessing to you. It will it will stand against you as a testimony on the day of judgment. Do you hear me? If you think that you can open the word, you can go to church, you can sit under a teaching such as this and get fed the word of God and not do anything with you, it will be what testifies against you, not for you, upon the day of judgment. You say, well, God, I, I studied the Word. God, I went to church. God, I did these things. You were a hearer, and you were not a doer also. You are deceived. Wow. And that deception, the only place it will get you is judgment. So you've got to be hearers and doers of the Word of God. I hope that doesn't discourage you from sitting on teaching, thinking, you know what, if I'm ignorant, no, there's not going to be justified in their own sight. But it, it should empower us to go out and to preach the gospel with authority and, and tell the truth. So, folks, we're going to get, we're going to get uh, further into our Romans teaching. So, in our last class, Pastor, you, you weren't here with us, but we were dealing with, out of uh, Romans 3.24, which says being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And so we were looking at verse 24, and I want to tell, I didn't get to really finish that even on verse 24. I don't know if that's a big surprise to you that no. we covered that, that one verse. But you know, prior to that, we had set it up with all of sin and come short of the glory of God, mm-hmm. which kind of tells you the overall indictment against humanity, that there's none good, there's not, not one that's any good, all have fallen out of the way. Then he goes and he just breaks it down. Here's the problem, folks. That regardless of how good you are, how young you are, how old you are, how sweet you are, how great of a family or how bad of a family you came from, everyone has sinned and come short of the glory of God. Right. Whether you call yourself a heathen, whether you think that you're a preacher, whether you're this or that, every single one of us came into this world in the exact same way. It's the way that David described in the 51st Psalm. And, you know, I was in sin, I was conceived in my mother's womb. So from the, from the, from the very time that... that, 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 that I, that our, I, we came together that the seed and the egg so to speak came together and God brought life into that, that child within that womb I was born into sin I was born into darkness and I was born needing a Savior and a Redeemer so He broke it down mm-hmm. and so regardless of what we think we've done or where we are all have sinned and come short of God's glory we've come short of His expectancy right. or that standard, standard. so yeah. He told us the problem then He gives us the solution in verse 24 and so really the heart of the whole gospel message is right here in verse 24. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So, 
Uh, justification, and I'll give these to you again just quick, quickly as we go through. That way some of you didn't get them or if you're, you're listening for the first time. Justification literally means to declare not guilty. Mm-hmm. And it is because uh, it's the only thing. It, it says that justice has been satisfied by an adequate payment. Okay. And so when we, you and I are justified, it means that, that, that there's something happening that on the day of judgment that even though we would stand guilty based upon our own failures, right? Because, brother, listen, the, the bottom line is our self-righteousness. We can go out and feed the hungry every single day. Absolutely. We can do these things. We can even go out and preach the gospel every single day. We can do all these things. But apart from having sin and having the penalty of, of sin and death satisfied through the justification of Christ Jesus and through that, that declaring not guilty, we all stand guilty before Him. Yeah. It's not in doing. You know, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, they can knock on as many doors as they want to. Different groups can do all these things that seem good, they seem noble. We could, we could be like a Mother Teresa and feed all the children of Calcutta, India. Feeding the children of Calcutta is not going to get it done. You know, we could go out into the garbage dumps of Tijuana and, and minister to the children on the garbage dump. That's not going to get it done. We have got to come to the place where we are declared not guilty or having the, the penalty of sin satisfied by an adequate payment. Right. Our goodness, our efforts, the things that we do are not designed to be the payment of those no. things. Those things are designed to be the fruit that oh, the, the payment has been paid. Yeah. Get that right, yeah. folks. You're never going to get any more righteous than you are through faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, you're never going to get any more righteous. You're, you're never going to attain some type of place of, 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 of empowerment or some place of, of, of super Christianity by the things that you do. The only thing that's going to get you to that place of being declared not guilty, of being He looking at you and being justified in the eyes of God is what Jesus has done. Yeah. The cross and faith in the cross. And, and, and so brother, I want to say this. We're saved by grace through faith. Right. And so we've got to ask ourselves, faith in what? Faith in what? Faith in the cross of Calvary. Right. Faith in the finished work. Right. It's not the cross plus anything else. It's not mama's faith. It's not mama's faith. It's, yeah. not, it's not the preacher's faith. It's, it's not circumstantial faith. Or it's not this osmosis type faith that I just kind of get Or worldly faith. Or, or even worldly faith. Yeah, well, there's you know, a worldly faith. Out you know, you just got to, you know, I've been through some things and I made it through and so I'm going to get it. You know, it produces a worldly type of faith. Or it's not really faith, faith though, is it? It's not genuine faith because no. it's not the moral conviction of the truthfulness of God. Of God. Right. And so, folks, listen, if, if there's a justification that comes to declare that, that justice has been satisfied, that the penalty of those things has been adequate, the only thing that's going to declare us not guilty is when we fix our eyes upon the cross of Calvary. And when we say to ourselves, listen, my only hope, my only life is to say, listen, back to Galatians 2.20, that I've been satisfied, that I've been crucified with Christ. And so what am I doing? I'm identifying myself with, with Jesus. I'm identifying myself with what He did. I'm identifying myself solely upon the purpose that Jesus Christ is the only person, the only way that I can get to the Father. Not through religion, not no. through attending a certain amount of church services, but by, by, by serving and, and, Jesus Christ. And people have got to get that because there's false teachings that right, right now that says, in the Christian faith, I'm not talking about Jehovah's Witnesses or all these other, but in the Christian faith, right, there's teachings right now that are saying there's many ways right, to get to the Father. And, and there, we heard a guy not too long ago who said, you know, he believes that a group from in, the Hindu faith will make it to heaven because... They, they believe in God. Well, what he said, well, I think was interesting about it, he, he wouldn't go so far as to say they're going to make it to heaven. He was put on the spot, and I brought this up in the last, in the last class, that he was put on the spot and the, the interviewer asked him, Larry King asked him, 
So what about people of other faiths? Basically, I'm kind of paraphrasing, right. and I could give the exact quotation. But he, but he said, but he mentioned this 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 very well known television preacher has a following of about thirty thousand people. He said, you know what? I was with my father in India, and he said, I don't know a whole lot about their their their, their teaching. Folks, listen, they are Hindu. Yeah, they are Hindu. This is a guy that has a church of thirty thousand people, and he doesn't know anything about Hinduism. Wow. What good is he doing preaching the gospel? He said, know those that so and quote unquote labor among you. If you think you're out there laboring with Hindus, he said, how can two walk together except they be in agreement? Wow. He said, I don't know anything really about their faith. They worship. False gods. Yeah. I'll tell you. Listen to this. Pass this on to the to the, the, the gentleman that has the church in Houston that said this. You don't know anything about Hinduism. It is a doctrine of devils. Yeah. It is speaking lies. It, 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 is, it, it is it is it is it is not Jesus. It is Satan. It's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a teaching that has many types of gods. And there's only one God. There's only one way, right. and that is Christ Jesus. But he said, I don't know much about their religion. He said, but I know that they're very sincere people, and I know that they love God. Right. Now, brother, I know that they don't love God. Right. Because he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And what is one of those commands? Have no other gods before me. Remember, they even asked him. He said, uh, he said something about Jesus. He said, you know, all the other faiths say that there's no other way to make it to heaven. Through Jesus, what do you believe? He goes, well, I'm real careful about saying. Yeah, anything like that, or who will, or who won't. Folks, I'm not careful about By him that. saying that. He's he basically said it. He said, "Don't be careful. Don't be anxious for anything." Guys, I'm not careful about that. I'll tell you, there's one way, there's one truth, and there's one life. There's no way to the Father except by Jesus Christ. I don't care what this fellow says. I don't care what Oprah Winfrey says. I don't care what anyone else says. I know what Jesus Christ says. Amen. That the the the. Satan will present himself as an angel of light. Yes. He can talk as sweet as he wants to. Yep. He can act like a spirit-filled Mr. Rogers. Uh-oh. Or he can have a tremendous television following. But it does not make it right. No. The only truth, the only foundation, uh-huh. the thing that everything is going to be satisfied is adherence to the Word of God. If we say that we love God, but we do not keep His commandments, we are liars. We are liars. And no liar will have a place in, in, in heaven. They will only have a place in the lake of fire burning with with fire and brimstone. The only way that we're justified, the only way that we're made not guilty is not through a a, a strict sense of following religious ordinances. It is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He said being being justified freely. That word freely, bro, means it means to be done gratuitously and without just cause. And so in other words, all those other things that we claim that are going to buy us into heaven, being nice, being a good family man, being all these type of things, having some type of quote-unquote purpose, they're, they're not going to do a thing for us. Everything that we have was done freely and without just cause. In other words, guys, I can't deserve it. Right. I can preach the gospel and see thousands of people get saved, but it will not increase the, the deserving nature of what Jesus did for me. Right. The only thing that I deserved then and the only thing that I deserve now, apart from faith in Jesus Christ, is hell. Yeah. Period. Am I out doing drugs? No. Am I out cheating on my wife? No. Am I beating my children? No. Am I stealing and robbing? No. But the, the absence of those things in my life will not justify me. Right. That, that there is no just cause in my life for those type of things. The only justification for, for this, this preacher of the gospel seated right here today 
always has got to go back to my faith in Jesus Christ. That is it. It's not by works. It's not by doing anything. It's not by acting a certain way. It's by doing and, and, and having faith in what Jesus did that is going to produce the fruit of those things He's already freely given in my us. life. I can't say, listen, I'm going to do those things to get God to love me. Yeah, he's done. I'm doing those things because He loves me enough right. to justify me through right. faith in the blood of Jesus. So being justified freely by His grace. And we, we talked about this, and I think yeah. it's worth repeating. The, the grace, guys, is for the, for the New Covenant believer, it, it's not just this, this, this unmerited favor. Is it unmerited? Yes, yes, it's unmerited. Yes. We know that. But it's not just because it's unmerited. But literally, by definition, it's that word charis, and we've given you this definition. But the word charis is the divine influence of God upon the heart, which is gratuitous, which is freely given, which right. is not caused. God doesn't owe us a chance. God does not owe anyone. And we talked about Matthew 24 where people say that, you know, listen, the gospel's got to be preached and everybody's got to know. Folks, get in context. If you want more on that, contact Pastor Troy at raven at biggrace.com and I'll bring you in the context. Not a single one of us deserves a chance. Right. When Adam fell, everything fell. Everything was made unrighteous. God didn't say, well, I owe someone a second chance. If we get a chance, one, it's because of the grace and the mercy right. of God. He did not owe us any of those things, period. If, if everyone went to hell heaven would still rejoice in God's righteousness. It would say, you know what? God was righteous because we, we offended the righteousness of God. And it, it would declare Him even greater righteous. It would say, listen, God is so righteous that He's not going to wink at sin anymore. Right. God is so righteous. And God proved His righteousness by on, not yeah. saying, listen, oh, I'm going to go ahead and let sin slide. No. The righteousness of God declares and demands payment and penalty yes. for those type of things. Folks, had it not, Jesus Christ yes. would have not had to go to the cross. It's not like that 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 that, that false teacher that has got such a false, great following. And guys, this isn't uh, pick on false teachers day. This is how we ought to live every single day. We ought to expose that type we, of stuff. We have to know it. We've got to know that yeah, stuff so we'll yeah, know the yeah. false teaching. But he's the one that said that, that God spoke to him and said, if you would have known what you know now about being born again, you could have died upon the cross. He, told, he, he said that with his own mouth and his own teaching, that, that any born-again man, because they called Jesus the first, first born-again born man, he was born again in hell. Jesus didn't have to be born again. He was sinless and spotless before God. Yes. But what that is, is that self-gratuitous. That's saying that, you know, somehow I could have achieved those type of things. Right. Folks, we are completely and utterly dependent upon faith in Jesus Christ, upon the Spirit of God, freely given through that divine influence of God upon the heart, that God speaks to our hearts, He convicts us of sin of righteousness and of judgment, and He brings us to that place that's going to cause a reflection. Now, feeding the hungry is that reflection. Worshiping God is that reflection. Preaching the gospel to the lost is that reflection. Doing those things. We are, we are saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves, lest any man should boast. Free gift of God, created unto good, good works. works. Yeah. Not created by good works no. or not transformed by good works but once it comes into our life there's a fruit of it there's right. a manifestation of those principles and you know what the, the mark of a genuine believer is someone that will preach the gospel to other people that's the reflection of the life because the gospel comes into us through salvation it ought to be reflected out to other people we ought to be open in our mouth uh, that, that those that believe on the script, the word as the scripture says out of their belly right. is going to flow rivers think, of living water I think water. there comes a uh, a concern. I know when I first got saved, uh, no one told me to, to witness, but there was such a concern for other people's well-being and where they're going to go. You know, when that word Absolutely. of God comes in, you where I didn't have it before, I could care less what people went to heaven or hell when I was lost. But once I got saved, I generally said, "Man, I can't believe this person 
you know, they have to know the truth. Absolutely. So maybe preach to my family, to everyone I could, I could preach to because there became a, his nature came inside of me and his nature declared that he loved humanity and so it calls me. So if you're not preaching humanity, then somewhere you haven't got the love of God and if you don't get the love of God, I question whether you've even got God living in you. Absolutely. You know, brother, I, I thought to myself the other day as I was just kind of meditating on the word and just in prayer and I thought, you know, if I was preaching into a church of a thousand people one Sunday and as a visitor... And I had everyone stand up and I said, if you've been here less than a year, sit down. If you've been in this church less than five years, sit down. Now, if you've been in this church ten years or longer, stay standing. And say out of a church of a thousand people, let's just for a number, let's say a let's say hundred of those people had been there at least ten years. Okay? And I said, okay, I'm going to turn this back to the, the praise and worship people and, and the rest of you folks are going, to, are going to worship for a little while. And I want you hundred people that have been in this church, set under this teaching for at least ten years, of whatever church it is, to come to me in this, this, this back room. Like so many people now today, they, they get in the and they say, well, follow somebody to a back room. Right. And they offer counsel. Whatever they do back there, hand them some literature or whatever else. Y'all follow me in that back room. I'd love to have that, 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 that group that's been under that teaching in a church of a thousand people for just a minute. And they get back there and say, okay, all you folks have been under the teaching of this church and this ministry, whatever that ministry was, whether it's you know some mainline denomination church or whatever, or that pastor. Now, I want to know, when the, when's, who's the last person in... Who, I want to know... Give me, I want some testimonies because what we're going to do is we're going to go out now. Instead of me preaching, you folks that have been under the teaching, you people that have heard the Word, what we're going to do is we're going to spend the next hour giving testimonies of the people that you led to Jesus in the last two days. Yeah. That's all we're going to do. We're going to have to take up a whole hour just basically giving the names and testimonies of the people that you led to Jesus in the last couple of days. What, what do you think really would happen in that room? Reality? Reality. Reality would be probably no one saying anything. They maybe, probably want to run. Maybe, maybe one. Maybe one would say, well, I talked to somebody briefly about the Lord the other day, but that's it. Maybe. You, you, can you imagine how uncomfortable and how they would want to run for, the, for their lives? Do you think they'd be there for an hour or for like two minutes? <laughs> I, I know what would happen. Yeah. I know what would happen because I've been in those situations and I haven't taken them to the back room, but I've called it out. Right. and said, okay, I want to know, tell me about the person that you led to the Lord in the, in the last couple of days. And, you know, you don't have any response. Now, isn't that an indictment yes. against the body of Christ? Now, we're not talking about people that have just been in there for just a couple of days or a couple of weeks or new believers. We're talking about people that have had the Word of God invested in their lives for years and years and years that I guarantee you yeah. that, 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 that that group that should be the cream of the crop are the ones that are... Pro- now, if I took the ones that have been saved in the last year... Yeah. Or let me break it down. If I took the ones that had probably come to Christ in the last six months, there would be more of them that were sharing their faith with people than those that have been in the church for right. ten years. What has happened, brother? We think that we, we somehow attained some type of position or place they where we're no longer responsible to do those types of things. I think they've been talked out of the responsibility. Yeah. That's what it is. To, to, to manifest that, that agency of grace, to be reflective. And so what happens is, is where grace came when we first got saved is it says we've been justified made not guilty freely by His grace and so when it comes back the reflection of grace in this chapter in chapter uh, 3 verse 24 grace is what comes back and it's testifying not guilty right when it's reflective off of faith and we're not just being hearers but doers of that word and so it's not guilty not guilty but something has seemed to have happened within the the, 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 the prescribed or the professed church and, and grace 
after a while seems to be leaving, losing its luster be losing its reflective nature in our lives it's kind of like a dirty mirror you know, it is like a dirty mirror how the word of God comes in it's reflected like a mirror but if that mirror's got mud all over it or dirty, there's no reflection. There's no reflection. Right. You can tell that there's a mirror behind it. Yeah. There's a haze on it, and it's right. it's it may be somewhat translucent. Right. But you're never going to get the details off of that mirror. Right. And what, what there's something has got to clean that mirror, and it's the Word of God. It's like beholding yourself in a yes, looking glass. James. And we've got to look at that mirror, but repentance and staying sharp and cleaning that mirror through going out and preaching the gospel yes. and seeing the, the marks fall to their knees, weeping and asking Jesus to come into life. To, to seeing the Joshua's yes. fall down on their knees, weeping and asking Jesus to come into life. To seeing the Dales and the Bryans and the, the young woman just literally broken and sobbing and weeping right there on the street. And guys, that's just what we saw in the last couple of days. People, and we could go on and on and on about that. But when the gospel is preached and, and the fear of the Lord comes upon a situation, you can expect those type of results. But what does it do? It keeps me clean, brother. Right. When I'm doing the work of God, Listen, the, the furthest thing from my heart is to sin. Mm-hmm. The furthest thing from my life is to fall into bondage. And we wonder why the, 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 the church looks so much like the world. Because the church acts so much like the world. Yes. They do the things like the world. Sure, the world wants to do good things. Right. Sure, the world wants to do benevolent things. But when it comes right down to it, brother, it's got to be, yeah. I, I want to do faith-filled things. Yeah, the things that produce faith. Isn't Jesus, was it Jesus who said that? That we're, of, we're in the world but not of the world? Absolutely. And that's what happens to the church. They, they want to be the world to reach the world instead of... You can't do it. Yeah, you can. You've got to say, I'm not of this world. If he's lifted up, if he's elevated, if he mm-hmm. went to the cross and we preach that elevated message of the cross of Calvary, right. he'll draw men to him. Yeah. But if that's diminished... Yeah. If we're not drawing them to me to, to him, we're drawing them to men. Amen. Yes. And men will always yeah. fail you. Men yeah. will always come up short. Men yeah. can yeah. never declare you not guilty before God. I said this years ago. I was praying, and the Lord spoke to me in in in, in, in prayer. And, and at the time, brother, we were we were going out and sharing the gospel with all kinds of people. And the Holy Spirit prompted me, and He said, "Stop telling people that they're saved." Right. Now, guys, you might think to yourself, "Well, what do you mean by that?" And he told me, he said, the Spirit itself will bear witness with their spirit that they're a child of God. And it's him that is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of a man's heart. Right. I can't tell if a man's saved by just looking at him. I can't tell 30 seconds after he, he falls right. onto his ground whether he's saved or not. Right. He's going to have to tell me that he's saved. Right. I can tell him how to get saved. Right. I can tell him what salvation is. I can tell him the requirements of salvation. But to be able to say, dude, you prayed that prayer and now you're saved and you're set. I don't have that ability. I'm not a mind reader. Mm-hmm. I can't look beyond the, that testimony. I've got to see those things play out in that person's life or hear them declare, listen, I am saved. I am. I, 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 God has made me righteous and justified me freely through His blood. But what happens is we tell all these people that they're saved and I say we as the church at large. Right. And so they think they're off the hook. Rather than saying, here's what salvation is. Here's what salvation produces. And if you're producing these things in your life, if you're walking in accordance, yes, there is an assurance of salvation. There is, you can believe that there is assurance and there's a confidence you go to heaven. But I sit here today with no question knowing that if my life ended right now, I'd go to heaven. Right. Period. But at the same time, there is a tenacity and a veracity in my life that says, you know what? I have not arrived. I've got to get to that place that He's called me to. So it's not, for me, it's no longer a salvation issue. It's an obedience issue that God is going to take us from, from glory to glory and expose Himself to us in a greater way and a greater responsibility coming into our lives. Mm-hmm. I don't go out and preach the gospel to get saved. 
I'd rather preach the gospel because I am saved. And that, that testifies as who I am. And so if I didn't, it would testify to who I am. I don't really believe. Because I say I love him, but do not keep his commands to go preach the gospel. I'm a liar and the truth is not in me. Wow. Not just sitting, sitting here on a daily basis, Monday through Friday, does not satisfy the right. commands of God. No. This is part of it. Absolutely. Right. Teaching the Word, studying the Word, proclaiming the Word, this Looking is part of it. Yeah. In that sense. And so, justified freely by His grace uh, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And here's where I left off last week on this. And we brought a lot more into those three points there than we did in the last teaching. But that redemption... It's, it's really three Greek words. And I gave you two of them. I'll give them to you again, those that are just listening to this. Is the, the first word that's used in the New Testament for redemption is uh, agorazo. Agorazo. If you want to spell it English version, it's A-G-O-R-A-Z-O. And it means to buy someone in a slave market. In other words, I went to a slave market and I bought them out. Right. And the scriptural reference for that is 1 Corinthians 6.20. I gave these the other day. 1 Corinthians 7.23 and 2 Peter 2.1. 1 Corinthians 6, 27, 23, and 2 Peter 2, 1. And this says that Jesus, basically, He came and He outbid everyone else. That, that, that He came to that slave market of sin because He offered a price that no one could touch. Right. That there was no match for those things. That He had it. And that's, that's what Paul says in, in when we got our first, we opened up. Uh, uh, Romans 1, 1. He said that I'm a, I'm a bond servant. He said I'm a servant to Christ Jesus. He spoke of being that bond slave. And that's what it is. That He, was, he found Himself in a slave market. And He was... He was purchased in that place. That that's where he was bought. That when God found him, he was lost. Folks, every single one of us, when Christ found us and he bought us, we weren't on the outskirts and headed towards the slave market. We were slaves to sin. We were in bondage to sin. We were the ones that were, were, were guilty. We were the ones that were, were uh, shackled to sin. That's where we were. Your sin might have been homosexuality. Your sin might have been unforgiveness. Your sin might have been drunkenness. It doesn't matter. The chain, chains of sin are chains of sin. And the, 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 the chains of one that's just not knowing God is, is, is just enough to drag you eternally into hell as any other chain. Right. And so, if we get to thinking, well, I wasn't as bad as them, or I wasn't right. as good, I was better than them. Folks, listen, you were in sin. Right. And so, redemption came. You were bought, agorazo, you were bought, and He found you in the sin market. Not it's somebody that's kind of teetering on goodness. Folks, right. we're all of sin and come short of the glory of God. The second word that's used is ex agorazo. And so E X A G O R A Z O is ex agorazo, and it means to be bought out of the slave market. Mm. Big difference. The one was bought what? Bought in the slave market, and we, that's used in Galatians three thirteen and Galatians four five. So the first one is that I was bought in my position where I was bought from was in the slave market. Yeah. But ex agorazo, yeah, Galatians 3.13 and Galatians 4.5 means that I was bought out of the slave market. You brought out of it. And so, this implies that the believer is to never be put in a slave market again. Mm. Then listen, the reason I bought you is not that you could go back into bondage. Right. That you could not continually find yourself going back into that, but that you should be, remain a slave to righteousness. Mm. That when I found you in the slave market of sin, I did something, and the desire that I had for you is to never find yourself backsliding and going back into that place. Folks, the problem with the church today, and we see it all the time, seeing it as, seeing it as pastors, seeing it as leaders, seeing it as people that, that go in and, and, and talk to other leaders and those type of things, is, is people are almost taught and, and are almost expected to have these highs and lows of Christianity. That, yeah, I'm, I'm doing good today, but listen, you know, chances are tomorrow I'm going I'm to be down, or next week or whatever. And so it's just, 
there's, there's almost this expectancy of, of, of backsliding and coming back. Mm. Backsliding and coming back. Brother, when I got serious about the Lord Jesus over 20 years ago, listen, I never went back. Why was it? Because I got saved out of the slave market. You got bought out. Did it have anything to do with, with me? No. It had everything to do with Jesus paying the whole penalty and me putting faith in what He did. Right. The faith that I had was not a faith once again under bondage. But it was a faith unto deliverance. Yeah. When he set me free, you know what he did? He set me free. Yeah. I was liberated. I was ex agorazo. I was where well, I was. He purchased me agorazo in the slave market to give me ex agorazo to pull me out of that thing to be a bond slave, not to sin any longer, yes. but to be a bond slave to righteousness. Galatians five one, the same type of thing. Galatians five one. He said, "Stand fast." Stand how? Stand fast. What's it mean to stand fast? Sounds like stand firm. Stand firm. Don't waver. Don't be don't be shuffling your feet. Don't be backsliding, so to speak. Right. And so, if you're standing fast and I push on you, yeah, you should be there. You should be there. You should be. You know, brother. Years ago, when you were younger, I could I, I'd tease around with you and I'd pick you up. <laughs> yeah. And no, you got a little bit physically more mature today. Another day, I just I, I reach around Pastor Alex, I hug him from behind. I was going to pick him up. And he stood fast. <laughs> I like, oh, I can pick you up like I used to, yeah. have you, brother. And so that's the type of thing, you know. We want to stand fast. We want to be firm. We want to be immovable in our faith. Yeah. In where? In, in the faith. faith. And so if I get steadfast and I'm founded upon the Word of God, man, I've got a foundation that is right. immovable. You know, when you said bought out, you know, it made me think of a company that's being bought out. When the company's bought out, it never goes back to being that company that it once was. You know, if yeah. somebody goes and buys a a company and they buy them out let's say it was I don't know just some company let's say Walmart somebody buys Walmart out they, they change the name they, they change the whole look of the store or whatever but it never becomes Walmart again it right. ceases to be Walmart Absolutely. and it becomes another company entirely different than what it was before when you said that that's what I thought when God bought us and we're born again we don't go back and have to be born again again to go back to being what we were right we, we're different we're changed old things have passed away behold all things become new we're not the same person we were when, when he bought us that's why he said Paul the Apostle said you once were these such as these those who were fornicators and adulterers and yeah, you know absolutely. Well, you once were you're not that anymore you've been bought out you, know, you gave it a good example I noticed on the television thing the other day there was a there was a wireless that wireless service called Singular right I mean, some of you guys know how to use Singular but they're advertising now because I guess AT&T just, just bought out Singular. Okay. And so in Singular, they'll have these commercials and it'll flash Singular and it says, but Singular is now the new AT&T. Right. And, but I guarantee you those advertisements that include Singular today, a year from now, you'll never hear from Singular again. Right. They won't ever say Singular used to be AT&T. No. But what's going to happen, it's, going to, it's just going to be AT&T. AT right. And you will never again see Singular in their advertisement. Why? Because they're moving people away from thinking about Singular and they're transitioning them to AT&T Wireless or whatever the company's called now. Right. It's AT&T something or another. And so it's to be bought out of that, never to return back into those things. So he said, stand fast in Galatians 5.1. Therefore, in the liberty, whereas Christ has made us free... Being justified freely by His grace. Here's that redemption. Amen. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty whereas Christ has made us free, and do not again be entangled in the yoke of bondage. Mm. That's to be bought out. That's the ex agorazo. That He has made you free. He has brought a liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There Amen. is a freedom. Yes. And he has, he has made us right. free. We have, be, we have not become in a position of freedom, but we've, come, we've become to a people of freedom. Amen. That, that free is not what I do. 
It's who we are. Free is who I am. Yeah. What am I? I am free. Who the Son has set free okay. is free, free indeed. Amen. And so if I am free yes. in Christ Jesus, I am free from, from making those decisions that are going to, to, to bring bondage into my life. I'm going to be free from those things. And so I'm not going to be shackled again in, in, the, restraint, in the restraints of a slave is what he would say. And so no longer am I going to find those things restraining me or I'm not going to be a slave to sin any longer. Amen. And so, uh, agorazo, exagorazo. And the third one is lutru, which is L-U-T-R-O-O. L-U-T-R-O-O, lutru. And it means to be set free by paying a price. And so, the first one is to be bought in the slave market, or that's where I was purchased. The second one is to be bought out of the slave market. And the lutru is to be set free by paying a price. And you'll find that, that usage in, in Titus 2.14, Titus 2.14, 1 Peter 1.18, Titus 2.14 and 1 Peter 1.18. And this says that the believer is set free to live a life pleasing unto God. That not only have I, been, I've been, I was purchased at that place of slavery, purchased out of that place of slavery, but I've been set free by paying a price. Brother, there's got, salvation has got to produce a freedom from the longing of sin. Just like right. you were talking about. Yeah, you were once these type of things. Yeah. And you know, if I hear one more time uh, uh, a good intention but totally deceived pastor say, listen, we're all just sinners saved by grace one more time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vomit. I mean, that is, that is such a repulsive thing yes. for, for the grace and the mercy and the yeah. redemption of Jesus Christ. He said, while we were yet sinners, formerly yeah. sinners, yeah. that's the former things that we were. I am not a sinner. Right. I've been de- declared righteous by Christ. Sinners go to hell, and I don't plan on going to hell. No. He's called us saints by virtue of that, uh, of being freely justified by His grace. I am no longer a sinner. I have been now be called the friend of God. Yes. I've been made justified freely by His grace, no longer to be shackled by the, those terminology. You may be a sinner, preacher, being, and thinking you're offering good intentions. We can solve that. Yeah, we can take saved. you to the cross and we can get you saved. Amen. That way, yes. you don't have to preach from the position of a sinner. You yes. can pre- be pre- uh, preached from the, the position of a, of a victor in Christ Jesus. Yes. We've been made more than conquerors through Christ yes. Jesus. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even yes. our faith. Yes. And the reason that the, and you think to yourself, they preach a defeated message. Yes. And so what happens? They, they, they produce a defeated people. Yeah. And so the ones preaching that message are the ones that are preaching to people that are never going to go out and do these things. Why? Because they never have the empowerment. We were talking this, this last couple of days and we go on the streets that it produces, when you go do those things, it produces a godly confidence and it produces a, yeah. a, a, an ability to just get out there and get it uh, that you're wanting to, to preach the Word. Why? Yeah. Because you recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. Right. That before, that I was wicked, that I was perverse, I was ashamed, and but the wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. It's that lutru that I've been set free, and not merely set free to, to, to live a life that will lead me back into bondage, no. but I'm set free to live a life that's going to lead me, that's, it's a freedom-producing redemption, not a bondage-producing redemption. Right. I want to say that again. If I have lutru redemption, which is bought by the blood of Jesus, it's a freedom-producing uh, uh, redemption, not a bondage-producing uh, redemption. And so what it does, it produces in me a confidence to say I can do all things yes. through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. 
I'm not limited by some psychological Christian thing that says, listen, your strengths and your weaknesses are these. I'm not in bondage to who I was. But I'm in bondage to who Christ Jesus is in me. Christ, the the hope of glory. And therefore, with joy shall I draw waters from the wells of salvation. If I'm lacking in a confidence to preach the gospel, I'm going to draw from that well of salvation. If I don't have something to say, if if maybe I'm not learned in a particular area, I'm going to draw water from that well of salvation. If, if, if I, man, if I don't have a song in my heart and I want to praise God, I'm going to draw waters from that well of salvation. And so He deposits in us every single thing that we need to do every single thing. Right. He totally equipped us. It's to be set free. It's, it's something that is a freedom. It's a liberty. It's a free flow. And that's what freedom is. It's, it's no restraint. Right. And so I'm not restrained by my personality. Right. I'm not restrained by my upbringing. I'm not res- restrained by my lack. I'm not res- uh, restrained by my lack of, of, of education. Some right. people might say, whatever it is, I'm not restrained by these things. But when I come into Christ Jesus, now I've got the mind of Christ. Yes. And no longer am I conformed to the, the image of this world, but I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind. Right. And it enables me to prove out, to do everything that's good, everything acceptable, and everything that's perfect yes. before the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. That is what redemption has done for us. It's not created us to go into bondage, but it's produced that where we're not led back into sin. But I said this, guys. It's, it, there can, it, it's got to be that price that produces uh, a liberty. The price, which was the blood of Jesus, mm-hmm. which was demonstrated on the cross of Calvary, was of such a magnitude that anyone receiving freedom from it, that it produces a, by faith something that's, that's inexcusable for us to ever go back. There's no excuse for ever falling back right. into sin when you've got that type of redemption. And so there can never be just cause for returning to the devastation of the slave block. Right. And so if I've got the agorazo, I was bought out, and I was bought for an ex-agorazo to never go back right. in, and I've got that lutro that, that, that says right. that I've been set free from those things, there can never be any justification for wavering back and forth in that type of life. Right. There's no justification any longer. That's why I want to throw this out to you guys for you to chew on this. Hebrews 10, 26 and 27. Hebrews 10, 26 and 27. People have read this and not knew what it applied to. It's right here. It's redemption. It's Romans 3, 24. It says, If we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, after we have been freely justified by His grace. That's the truth of it. There remains no more a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for for a judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. Well, let me break this down what that means. Yeah, it yeah. says, if, if, if you come to Christ and you go looking for sinning willfully after the fact, or if you're looking for a better sacrifice for your sins than the first one that was offered, or a better means to set you free, or a more powerful thing to enable you to overcome, mm-hmm. he's stop looking. That's what he's saying. Yeah. He's saying if you go out still sinning willfully and you're looking for a better deal, if, if, if you're in a church, folks, today that is preaching righteousness and holiness and truth, and you're thinking that I'm going to go here and I'm going to find something that's going to be easier, yeah. well, well, listen, there's something. There, I can go down to the church down the street and it's such a seeker-sensitive place that it's telling me not really to worry about it. Yeah. If you think you're going to find a sacrifice there, there is no, there's no sacrifice to be found is what he's saying. There, there's nothing that's going to give you anything more powerful powerful that's going to enable you any better to walk in righteousness than what was already freely given. 
then that 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 agarazo, that ex agarazo for that, uh-huh. that that lutro. There's uh-huh. nothing better for you. You can't find your best uh, your best life now in somebody else's book. It's going to be found in these sixty six books yes. of the Word of the Living God, which are unchangeable, that are unmovable, yes. that is established upon the work of God, and to stand fast in the liberty wherein you have received Christ, where you've been made free, and not to be once again entangled in the yoke of bondage, whether that bondage is dressed up like like religion, whether it's dressed up behind a, a, a stained glass window, whether it's dressed up as seeker-sensitive, wide-gate, easy-believism, you will not find a victory in that. All you will find beyond the blood of Jesus, beyond the cross of Calvary, beyond be ye holy, even as He is holy, is a certain fearful looking for a judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries of the Most High. Yes. There is nothing, there is no easy way about it. It requires you to deny yourself, to take up your cross and to follow them. If you are looking for something beyond the blood of Jesus, you are looking for something that says as long as you try real hard. Jesus never tried. He went all the way to yes. the cross. He endured the shame and those yes. types of things. And if He could die for us, He's requiring us to live for Him. For him. Come on. Guys, this is teaching, even if it sounds a little bit like preaching. That is, the, that is the Word of God. Folks, 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this. There is no temptation. There's right. what? No temptation. No temptation taking you but that which is common to all men. But God is faithful. He's what? Faithful. He is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able but with the temptation, he always makes a way of escape. Yes. He always makes a way out of the slave market. He's brought free. you out. He has set you free yeah. that you might be able to bear whatever that temptation is. Right. You have received the lutro. You have received the freedom. The blood of Jesus has paid the price of redemption that is able to satisfy every sin possible. It is able to redeem you from every temptation possible. It is able to give you a victory. It is enough to deliver and extract us from whatever bondage that we've allowed ourselves to be yoked to. It's enough to, to, to keep us from re-entering, folks, that auction block of slavery to the flesh. Mm-hmm. The blood of Jesus is. It's when we stop walking in faith, we stop walking in the Spirit, that we'll fulfill the lust of the flesh. There's no yeah. condemnation, Romans 8, 1 and 2, for those that are in yeah. Christ Jesus who walk who, who walk not after the flesh, but after, after the, the Spirit. spirit. Yeah. And so when we want to go back to that auction block of sin, He's saying, listen, if you're looking for something to buy you out better than what bought you out the first time, no. there's nothing for you. No. If you want to go back into there, don't be waiting for some type of a better deal. Right. The only thing that awaits you is a certain fiery indignation. Right. A, an eternal judgment that's going to be upon you. There is no more sacrifice for your sin apart from what He's doing. There's no upping the ante, so to speak. Right. There's no renegotiating the contract. There's no holding out for a better deal. There's no higher but price. What you see, in other words, is what you get. Yeah. It, it's like the Saturn Automobile Company when they came out. They said, listen, the price you pay is going to be the price on the window. We're going to offer the very best price first. And so it's going to be no haggle pricing. Folks, listen. There's no haggling around the gospel. It's what you see is what you get. You can go and find somebody that's going to give you another translation. Somebody's going to give you another way around it. But at the end of the day, folks, there is no better deal. There is no other option. What you see is what you get. There's no other sacrifice for your sin. So guys, I, I really, I'm glad I spent this time really clarifying. I was going to get into verse 25, but verse 25 is just going to be as, just as rich and have as much for you for that. Folks, yeah. so glad you were part of the Raven Institute of Ministry of Biblical Studies today. Yes. And guys, do it. Don't just be hearers, but be doers of the Word. 
Because you have been set free. Yes. There is a victory that yes. overcomes the world, even our faith. You have been made more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Yes. But you have not been made those things to go back to the opposite block of sin. He has set you free. He has broken the shackles of sin off of your life to make you victorious, to give you the mind of Christ that you can rightly divide the word of truth that you need not be ashamed. You need not go looking for something else, but you can walk in accordance with a high standard of righteousness. Hallelujah. In Christ Jesus. Folks, I'm Pastor Troy Bond. Pastor Alex Hill. Get into God's Word. God's Word will get into you. See you next time.